Hello, welcome to Aero Bandwidth, your source for everything you need to know about the technologies, trends, and concepts that are steering our industry today. We hope that you enjoy this episode, and if you do, please subscribe. Well, hello everyone. I'm David Potter, one of your hosts today for our Aero Bandwidth series, North America. Today we have our special guest host with us, David Fern from the UK. Good afternoon. And our very special guest today, Mr. Travis Lawrence, and I'll let Travis introduce himself and tell us what he does here at Arrow. Well, first of all, thanks for having me, David and David. You're uh, more than welcome. Good to chat with you guys. Uh, my name is Travis Lawrence. Uh, I am a solutions architect, uh, kind of going in various roles, but really to talk here about next-gen infrastructure, next-gen data center, and whatever we want to call it today. So a lot of background in different areas, but just really trying to understand uh, and chat with you guys about what we think the market is doing and, and various things. So right on. So on that point, so you and I, Travis, have a, a bit of a, a overlap there, right? I think at Arrow, one of the things that we're looking at, to your point, is solutions and where is the market going? Mm-hmm. You know, I know that you've got a, a new role here in the company. Congratulations yes, around some of this, the next gen infrastructure. Um, you know, so I, I want to talk to you and have you talk to us about what does that mean, right? I mean, we're kind of making the transition to solutions. You know, David and I live in that world as well with, you know, A, what is a solution? I'll use my air quotes. Is it a quote unquote <laughs> bundle? Because <laughs> I hate that word. Yes. I think it's silly. Yeah. A peanut butter and jelly sandwich is not a sandwich solution. It's not a. It's, it's not, not a bun. A, it's not bundle, is yeah, it? Yeah. What, what could we call it? Like a um, a hunger mitigation solution? <laughs> Come on, it's a sandwich. You know, it, yeah, is it more yeah. of a hey, you bought the value meal? So you know, your customers are out there, and you've actually been on the, on the bleeding edge. You're one of our premier architects, so you get the opportunity to work with some of our advanced customers. What are they asking for on next-gen data center, and what are you seeing? Yeah, I mean, part of that, we're trying to help them figure that out because, yeah, they've been through that whole exercise of us saying, oh, let's put A plus B plus C together, and that means, you know, that's a solution. And uh, and those of us in the engineering world have kind of rolled our eyes sometimes at that. But, um, yeah, but it's really trying to understand that business issue and then all the parts and pieces that come together and trying to understand the intricacies of how those things work when we're talking about you know, where does the data live? And we start to get in this world of, you know, the edge starts to kind of proliferate everywhere. What are we talking about? What business issue? Where does that data live? And then what's the underlying infrastructure and the applications that run on top of that? So that's maybe a a sort of general answer, but Mm -hmm. trying to help them understand what those business issues are and then not just selling them, hey, here's what VMware says or what Citrix says or what Microsoft says or AWS. Mm -hmm. What are those pieces together and how do we actually integrate them and and make this easier for them? No, I like that because I must admit, so we've been describing the data center as this sort of new type of thing. A data center obviously used to be four walls, racks, Mm -hmm. server storage, networking in a room. That was it. Then it became sort of hosting data centers. Then it became sort of managed services and then it became cloud and and actually, the data center, the term data center has really evolved over time mm-hmm. and become this quite loosely coupled set of resources. And I'm a big, big, big proponent of describing your data center as everything in your world, whether it's server, cloud, or more importantly as well, services. So if you're consuming you know, a service like a Salesforce, if it's, if it's a fundamental part, an integrated part of your you know, day-to-day work life cycle. I like, I like the way you used you immediately brought it back to the most important part, which is all about the business. Because at the end of the day, you can have the most amazing platform in the world, but if it's not relevant to your business, it's pointless. Exactly, yes. So yeah, and we could sit here and go back and forth about, you know, where is the data center? Is it on-premises? Is it at the edge? Is it a micro data center? Is it 
But yeah, that's not really the point of it. Is no. We got to figure out where that data is and what the customer is trying to do. And then from there, that kind of drives the technology. So Perfect. Perfect. So essentially next generation. So do you have like a one line definition of the next generation data center? Uh, no. Um, <laughs> Damn. I was going to steal it. That sometimes, works for me. That's sometimes. exactly and what we'll I was call thinking. It a day. Yeah. No. <laughs> and, I, and I tend to overcomplicate things. My engineering brain trying to move into different roles is okay. Let's, let's simplify this some. So, I mean, if we're trying to simply say that, I mean, you're talking about platform, some of that starts to stick out to me. We're talking about, you know, for a while, kind of the holy war of cloud, every, the, the migration to cloud for some point, people thought, you know, this is a one way street and everybody's like excited about this. And we found that's not really the case, that hybrid really becomes something that's more important, but it's not really about that. It's more about, you know, how do we understand the operating model of cloud and use that where we need to. So if that's if that's on-prem and we can and leverage that in those ways where we can be more agile and use some of those kind of development uh, technologies on-prem, then, then that's where it is. So um, kind of a tricky question. Yeah, but. no, but I'm going to have you dovetail that in. So two weeks ago in this show... Dave and I talked with TJ Kilgore about cloud, mm-hmm. you know, cloud data center. And similar questions were, you know, what is, where will this go, right? Is it a cloud model? Is it hybrid? Is it private? You know, what does that look like? I guess. Yes, it's all. What, what you're seeing. No, and, that, and that's perfect. So again, all right, cool. We're done. From your standpoint, do you see a potential convergence to where the next gen data center just becomes an extension of a cloud data center or you know, like like a, a vSphere cloud becomes just part of something or like an Azure stack that it's all controlled by the actual cloud platforms? Or do you still see them as being a, a disparate system? I mean, I think that's where everybody wants to get to. It's interesting kind of seeing Amazon with outposts and mm-hmm. Azure stack and that those types of things. We're trying to sort out if that can be done. I mean, we think about things like containers and it's one way is a technology problem to solve with containers saying, let's package up everything inside of a a portable workload, right. but what about the business aspects of that? So I think ideally that's where everybody would like to get when you think about VMware trying to partner with AWS. Mm-hmm. Do we get there? Do we get a, a nice, neat environment where a customer can say, I've got one provider that does both? That it would be a nirvana that's nice, but I don't know that we'll get there. But it would be, I mean, that would be the goal. The more that we can integrate and have a platform that can go different places, whether our business is on-prem, you know, in our aero office data center mm-hmm. downstairs or at the edge at different satellite offices in the cloud, they would leverage all those. And, and the more that we can pull together, have a platform that goes across those, the better, I think. Gotcha. So follow up on that then, and kind of to what your earlier point was, micro data centers, specific data centers, you know, historically, and, and I come from an, an end user background like you did as well, mm-hmm. the data center, we had a rack of servers, a rack of switching, you know, you had machines that well either ran the core operating you know, operating system right on metal because I'm that old. And then we went to, you know, running some sort of a, a hypervisor and then we got into vSANs or, you know, iSCSI networking like that. But it was still fairly ubiquitous, right? You bought an X eighty six server, you bought a switch, you bought storage of some type, you had some sort of a thing. Mm-hmm. And, but data center to data center, I could walk into your data center and your end user organization and be pretty familiar, right? Be pretty much at home, know what those things are and probably identify what they do. Mm. There wasn't a lot of variance typically, you know, in architecture between a data center serving a financial institution versus an oil and gas company. Mm. Now with the proliferation of like hyper, you know, these, you know, converged infrastructures, composable infrastructure, IOT, edge computing, whatever else, buzzword. I can probably throw some more buzzwords at it if I want to. <laughs> but do you see maybe like niche data centers or data centers in a box that are more specifically for specific workloads or business outcomes? 
Yeah, I mean, we may see some of that. I mean, like in the Intel world, we're starting to see, you know, we at least want to abstract and get away. Like talk about HCI hyperconverged mm-hmm. is we want to not have to manage that piece of it there. So at least from that low level infrastructure platform, I kind of see, mm-hmm. you know, everybody might start to utilize those building blocks. If we can say put Nutanix in there on a white box Intel right. server. And then and then maybe we start to layer on that. Um, IoT probably is a place where that differs some. And we may use some of those building blocks, but when you think about certain environments that require different types of, you know, if we're doing on a factory floor or whatnot, mm-hmm. um, we we would probably have specific types of, of infrastructure that would have to sit there and those applications that sit on top of that. I mean, of temperature and various types right. of conditions. Gotcha. So, so moving away from the physical attributes of, yep. a, of a data center and mm-hmm. moving more into the workload-specific attributes of a data center, we're finding more and more customers coming to us, and, and obviously I run the data intelligence business, so I'm mm-hmm. going to talk from a data intelligence perspective mm-hmm. on this, but looking for platforms that are specific to the workloads they're trying to run Mm -hmm. so for example in the data intelligence space lots and lots and lots of data super high computational throughput you know gpu offload all this sort of stuff it's a very specific workload and it Mm -hmm. and you know do you see that as a as as part of the next generation data center or would you say that's more inside of the data intelligence space or you know with these i suppose what i'm trying to get to is obviously certain workloads need very specific mm-hmm. have very specific requirements um where where does that fit into the in the whole piece as well with gpus and mm-hmm. and, and various new next gen i mean we're going to see i think we're going to see a huge huge ton of different asic type technologies come in as mm-hmm. you know offloads and, and mm-hmm. all sorts of funny funky things yep. have you seen is that a, a trend you're seeing over here or is that yeah, I think we're starting to. Everybody's interested in. I mean, some of the interesting use cases I've seen when we talk about GPUs is sort of the a use case that NVIDIA has is sort of GPU for virtual desktops by day, but then AI and other pieces yeah. by night. So mm-hmm. how do people dip their toe in if they don't have the expertise that that you and your team have that to say, how do we even start? We know we need to do this, but where do we go? So I think eventually we would get there where we would say some of those workloads would need specific, I mean, if we need a, a ton of GPU cores, mm-hmm. we will build that out. But if we're, we're a business and we don't know how to leverage that today, maybe we have a way we can say, you know, during the day, these GPUs power the desktops and give us GPU processing for those desktops. And then at night we can run some of our AI and other mm. analytics kind of functionality there. But I don't know what you're seeing there as far as a kind of all in adoption of those type of technologies. Yeah, I suppose it's the, so I wanted to start from the infrastructure layer, but then we can move up into sort of the next layer, which is almost virtualization platforms that are not dedicated to analytics, but have been mm-hmm. so tuned to the point where they are dedicated to running analytics workloads. So we work with a company called Robin Systems. There's Blue Data that's just been acquired by HPE. Mm-hmm. You know, these, these are essentially, albeit Kubernetes and Docker container platforms, but everything about them has been so highly tuned so that they are dedicated to running enterprise big data applications. Cloudera, Hortonworks, Oracle. Mm-hmm. All, and it harks back to the days of, um, I don't know if you remember, but Oracle Engineered Systems, mm-hmm. when they'd have you know, a particular piece of architecture or particular piece of infrastructure that was dedicated to running Oracle database or, you know, Oracle analytics or web hosting or something like that. And I'm wondering, now we're getting to an inflection point where actually people have got so much, you know, if you're, if you're in a specific vertical, you've got a lot of one type of thing. Mm-hmm. Is one of the sort of directions we're going to see the next generation data center go in, be this sort of, instead of having this very generic platform, which does everything pretty well, 
having pods of infrastructure that's dedicated and tuned to the nth degree to do something really well. Is that something, is, is that a trend you, you could see or? I could definitely see that, especially when you talk about cloud for certain general purpose workloads. If we can say we've got this data center space, this is what we do as our core business and mm-hmm. it involves some of those types of technologies. We need a bunch of GPU cores or we need to have some type of ASIC or we're going to actually you know, write code or write, you know, firmware to do what we do well. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to offload some of those other tasks yep. into the cloud and not have to manage yeah. them as much um, and those types of things. And I think it, you'll see it more, maybe not a specific pods you buy that says, hi, I'm buying a video processor pod. <laughs> but if, if you buy, and I'll use, the, I'll use the, the dirty word, the B word, if you buy a bundle though, so think about the difference and I'll, I'll use IoT because it's it kind of on everybody's mind right now, right? So if you've just got a whole bunch of sensors, like let's talk about like an oil and gas platform, right? And I'm, yep. I'm like, you know, well data, well depth, temperature, pressure, et cetera. I've got a myriad of sensors around the platform. Those are traditionally, they're, they're high volume, but low bandwidth and and low density, right? It's primarily text data or numeric data. It's coming out at, at a very, very fast rate. So the ingestion speed is high, but the bandwidth is low. Probably doesn't need that much disk processor to parse that, right? I'm collecting it and doing analytics behind the scenes. Conversely, if you think about some of the new facial recognition and video software, that's something where I probably want a dedicated GPU because I'm doing real-time video capture. I'm capturing video at, you know, at 60 frames at 1080p or 4K, whatever that might be, Mm -hmm. and dumping it on a disk where I want that higher bandwidth. So I think for a specific outcome, that actually might drive some of those architectures. I mean, does that, are you seeing moves in that direction at yeah, all? Yeah, I mean, I mean, some of the hypothetical situations like our EM foot chips division where right. they say, oh, in a retail space, what if we want to do some type of, in a retail store to see somebody's face and say, hey, they walk by this, this stall and say, oh, how old is that person? What are we going to market to them? What type of analytics do we need to actually do that type of processing? That's a lot more specific than yeah. the general purpose. David Ferns and then say yes. every character, please escort him off the premises. <laughs> it will be the first time. <laughs> um, but no, no, I must admit, so one of the things I would be really interested in your opinion on mm-hmm. is um, obviously when we get to the place where we're starting to have, well, I must admit, I think we've seen 50 years of computing accelerated over the last, 10 maybe Mm -hmm. so we saw initially we saw central mainframes then we went to distributed and then we came back to central and then we've gone central distributed central distributed (laughs) really quickly as we've sort of not really sure you know as we've seen the rise of the cloud then we saw the rise of computing power in your hand then we saw it back to the cloud now i'm interested to know so with the amount of computing power that's now at the edge you know we just spoke about video cameras Mm -hmm. actually do you need to stream the video back when actually we sell in components, we sell a, a video camera that has a, a, a GPU on it mm-hmm. that could do all of the inference at the edge. So it could literally say that David was an incredibly ugly man and that he, <laughs> that algorithm joke, he's gorgeous. That, that we actually use that as a tuning algorithm. I'm the baseline <laughs> for what the heck. He's the trading data. Exactly. Um, no, no, but you know, for uh, X, like X age, X gender, mm-hmm. you know, X demographic type person, and instead of sending his picture back, actually just send back that information completely anonymized because you know in a from a privacy standpoint it works but you know extending the data center all the way out to like Mm -hmm. intelligence inside the cameras i mean that is that a reality is that something that you could see being being part of the next generation data center world or is it something you know do you think that the next generation data center will still probably reside and i appreciate we're working on a, a pretty you know difficult thing to define here but i mean if we had to sort of talk about because obviously this is a partner-focused podcast. I want to make mm-hmm. sure the partners 
you know, know where it starts and ends almost and where sort of what the art of the possible is, what they could go and talk to their customers about and then bring us as, as opportunities that we could work on collaboratively with them. Yeah, and that's an interesting question because, I mean, I, I definitely agree with you. I mean, you think about some of like those, if you've seen those Intel Movidius, like mm-hmm. compute, neural compute and visual pieces, I can plug it into a laptop and write and train data on it and it's very localized. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, it almost gets to... Yes, that could be part of the data center way out at that retail location, but I don't know. It almost gets political as to who owns that. Is it data center? Is it not? Mm-hmm. I mean, the tech, from a technology aspect, I think that you're right on there where, yes, let's start to think about where the data is and what we're trying to do out at that location. Is it, It's very localized processing in that, in that sense. It doesn't make any sense to stream data back or try to do any type of training or whatnot yeah. anywhere besides that local location. So, But that's an interesting thing that you actually just said that, that rang a bell where the data center, I mean, look at that, those two words, data center. Mm-hmm. So is, is that the definition, right? I mean, where the data lives, I mean, is it edge? So, you know, to your point, David, if it's being processed locally and then you're setting the metadata, is, is that a data center or is it, no, it's you not. know, yeah, it's, it's, it's a cover, you know, well, yeah. he never agrees with me. By definition, it's, it's good. It's not, you're right. It's a uh, edge computing. Yeah. It's uh, yeah. But, to that end, you can start to classify every single mobile device in an enterprise. <laughs> ah. You know, my iPhone is part of the next generation data center. It feels quite disingenuous, if I'm honest. It's yeah, I really, really hope it's not. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's, a, it's a difficult one. And I think mm-hmm. it's, I think if we're struggling to really put a pin in it and, and define it, imagine what our poor, poor partners are doing downstream. Oh, that's a good question. I mean, so what are they asking you? I mean, are they having these conversations, Travis? Yeah. I mean, or are we like way out in, you know, like are the possible and like, okay, that's really neat guys. But today, yeah. you know, so today what are they asking? I mean, I know we've done some things with, you know, some combinations mm-hmm. like around Citrix and virtual desktops and, you know, some, some rapid adoptions there on some of our new, you know, hyper-converged. The partners you're working with, I mean, what are they looking at in the next 12 months? What are they working on? What What are their end users doing that, that we're seeing? Mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of it's still around platform. So it's not as much when you think about the next, next thing. Are we talking mm-hmm. about five years out or whatever phrases we want to throw out there? But <laughs> um, yeah, so I don't, I think we're kind of farther ahead when we talk about those things. They, I think they need to understand use cases and what is actually possible mm-hmm. and to see it. When we talk about retail, when we talk about things that they can actually are more tangible, then they start to say, okay, how would I build that out? Right. But really what we've done to date is more around platform and saying it's almost, yeah, it's not quite a bundle. We're trying to take a little bit beyond that, but mm-hmm. it's really trying to say, how can we build this and make this part easier? And then what other layers can we add from an IOT or other analytics perspective to build on top of that to get to where you're going. Gotcha. So, yeah. So in the land of the the current, one of the phrases that sort of came, I don't know if it's doing a Gartner hype cycle, so I don't know if it's just falling into the trough of despair, I believe it's called. Mm-hmm. Um, SDDC, so the Software Defined Data Center. Yes. Is that a thing still or does that? I mean, I think fundamentally it is. The buzzword and the marketing around it may be changing a little bit. Everybody, you know, wants to understand that i mean we still need those types of ideas so if mm-hmm. we're talking about the platform if i if i have on-premises nutanix infrastructure how do i get that to aws how do i start to use how whatever my use case is how do i extend and be able to work across these platforms mm-hmm. um since it says data center in it kind of to your point before well, what does that mean is that old terminology so i think the idea is still very much alive but the terminology itself may kind of be changing or falling yeah, by the yeah. wayside. Because I've heard like composable infrastructure. Um, I've heard fog computing. Yes. Yeah. Which is just like, come on, guys. Yeah. <laughs> when, yeah. when will we have rain and Mist snow computing? computing yeah. Yeah. Dust. Wait, I'm, I'm, dust is a thing. <laughs> yeah. 
and um and more importantly where's my infrastructure as code i was promised infrastructure as code and i've yes it's sort of it, it exists in like aws as a proprietary service and that's i mean cloud formation i believe it's called but mm-hmm. yeah and there's different ways i mean internally i think that would be ideal in if we can use apis in the data center and our infrastructure is there waiting for us to provision and build um, so it may be kind of out there, but I don't, yeah, it's never as seamless and ubiquitous across everything where everybody's, they could kind of build and, and. Yeah, but from a cynical standpoint, together. what's the incentive for a manufacturer to do that? Well, it's a good point. I mean, I, I, <laughs> I, however, I am an absolute 100% believer now though in, and maybe I'm alone in this, I don't know. If your software or hardware or anything in the world that we build that is, deployed into anything if it doesn't have an api now and it can't be programmatically controlled from something else Mm -hmm. it just should never ever be bought i agree and i think that the industry is getting pushed that way but i think a lot of them are bolted on or they're not completely exposed right Mm -hmm. you know again i'm a car guy like we've talked about in these episodes years past (laughs) gm parts with gm parts you know i can i can put a small block chevy in you know a Ford, you know, if you're a Ford guy, haha, sorry about that. <laughs> but there's always fabrication there, right? And I think some manufacturers is comparable, right? Yeah, we got an API. You've exposed like two thirds of your functions for the basic core, but it's never as seamless as, as from like to like. But I, I, you know, I think your point is valid that that's changing. I just, I just think, it, so, I mean, I think what I'd like to get to, if I can actually physically get my words out rather than just stuttering <laughs> like a, a, an idiot, is what are the attributes that go to fundamentally sort of quantifying an end, uh, you know, a next generation data center? Mm-hmm. So API has to be one of them. Yes. And I think off the back of API, automation has mm-hmm. to be one of them. Because if you're not automating the up the wazoo of what you can do in a data center, then you're not really next generation at all. And this is why I'm a big fan. And I, I just, once again, though, I don't believe that the technology is mature enough yet to really i don't think those i know we've got certain automation tools Mm -hmm. they're more devops focused i don't really see a huge amount of enterprise cross-platform this is the important piece cross-platform or federated automation tools Mm -hmm. that's a real opportunity for me yeah and i think part of its ownership to me is if you think about who's managing this infrastructure it's not you know, the development teams and maybe there are more DevOps cultures where the operations yeah. team actually comes together. With, but a lot of it is probably, you know, kind of the old hat. They built the infrastructure in a certain way. They haven't up their skill set to say, let's make this, let's think about this in a new way. And and those businesses that have have gone and kind of gone to the cloud model and then maybe started to try to bring that mm. back on-prem, but they there hasn't been as simple a way. And that's why it's interesting to see what Amazon mm-hmm. and Microsoft and you start to say, well, what if the cloud sort of pushes its way into the data center and I have an Amazon outpost box in my data center? What does that look like? I mean, do I use the same APIs? Do I use the same integration technologies and it's just on-prem? Or do we actually see the more legacy, if I do air quotes, uh, suppliers start to try to build out on-prem and make it more, mm-hmm. you know, actually something they can develop and kind of carve out. Yeah. So here's a th- question kind of related is the the slow adoption pace due to a skills gap i mean so i think virtualization is pretty ubiquitous right i mean yeah. we know mm-hmm. that the p to v stuff and i can deploy a hypervisor pick your flavor of the week right kvm nutanix you know vmware etc etc so we got mm-hmm. we've got kubernetes but that whole next level that or that orchestration is hard right you know think about software defined networking you know automatic vlan provisioning mm-hmm. automatic provisioning of this that and the other thing 
you know, tradi- you know, typically back in the day when, you know, you and I were both all, when we were all end user administrators, <laughs> you had your network guys, you yes. had your server guys, you had your security guys. And VMware was kind of this black voodoo, right? And if you knew VMware, you were kind of unique, right? Because you knew mm-hmm. a little vert, you know, a little storage, you know, a little networking, a little security. I think, so my, my question goes back to that. Does the skill set exist in our current partners and their end users, hell, even at Arrow, mm-hmm. to actually fully deploy software-defined data centers? I mean, I'll tell you, like, I know in security, we do not have that skill set across the board for these advanced security things, which is another podcast. <laughs> so do you think that, that we've got the skill set in the field for true, you know, software defined, whatever you want to call it, next gen data center. Yeah, outside of the hyperscalers. Mm-hmm. Right. Actually, yeah, not not those guys. Obviously, yeah. they got them. But that's only because they've gone and bought the best of the best. Right. So if you're good at it, you know, resume at Microsoft.com. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, I think you're right. That skill set is really difficult and rare to come by. There's um, there's parts and pieces within our organization with some of our top partners and whatnot, but mm-hmm. somebody that has that whole stack capability and be able to understand those parts and pieces and put them together, um, I would say I haven't seen it much, no. And then politically, so th- this is going to be an, another interesting one. Politically, so I'm, I'm a network guy mm-hmm. through and through, right? So originally, well, not through and through anymore because I work in data intelligence, but <laughs> degree in engineering, I'm a network engineer by trade. Um, and my... You know, my tool of choice was a big, thick laptop with a serial port on it, because mm-hmm. then I could go and program any switch in the data center, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Move forward to today, and there's software-defined networking, which actually is very, 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 very different to traditional networking. Although mm-hmm. the fundamental, you know, VLANing concepts are the same, the way everything's deployed, it's much closer to virtualization than it is to networking. And I see a lot of traditional networking guys pushing back, not pushing back as in going. Not sure about that, but fundamentally going too high. It's, it's way too high risk to take to deploy mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily because it is, but because they know that that could be the end of their job. Mm-hmm. So how do we get around this? Because this has been a huge problem. I mean, in virtualization, it wasn't such a big deal because actually it just made so much sense because you could get utilization from one operating system per server to 10, 15, 100. So it was just a no-brainer. Networking feels kind of different though because networking is... You're not necessarily, I mean, I mean, we, we discussed this uh, last week about micro-segmentation. It is a amazingly good technology, but it's just not very well deployed. Mm-hmm. Is that because the networking guys are going, ah, well, you know, if a software switch fails because it's on, you know, it gets, you know, contention from a, you know, a server, then we lose all these servers. Whereas, you know, if you lose a box, it, you know, just stick with your physical infrastructure. Is that something that we think is still rife? I mean, I would say to a certain degree, yes, if you're talking about the old school network administrator. um, Mm -hmm. And that's a tricky one because politically, I mean, I think almost all infrastructure, because I come more from the server and storage side, and I can see there is a little bit less of that, but I can still see some of that in the end customers that we see certain what mid-sized companies have their domains that they're concerned with. And if I say, you know, if I can deploy a firewall via policy, that's different. How do I get into that? Do I trust it? Um, ultimately, so I, I think that's a good question. I don't so know if I have a good answer. I'm going to bring it right back to your domain then. Yes. And say software-defined networking versus mm-hmm. traditional SAM-based storage arrays. How's that going down? Do you mean in the case of of integrating in the case two? of in the case of me turning around and yep. saying, um, do you know what, Mister Storage Administrator, mm-hmm. I think that we should sack off that big storage array of all those spinning disks and just deploy this software and utilize all the existing disk we've got in these servers, 
and have actually exactly the same and everything running storage mm-hmm. everything running software rather than having this thing that you've cultivated and <laughs> cared for and watered for 10 15 years and you've got the sam fabric and everything mm-hmm. else how's that how does that go down in the in the head of a storage administrator I mean, I think some of them see it as a breath of fresh air. To me, when I came from that, it was it's like it's easier. It makes my job easier. I want to go do other things. I don't want to have to you know carve yeah. up a lun and say mm-hmm. how much space do you need. Mm-hmm. I'm going to guesstimate this. What raid level? I mean, if I can do that in a different way, so I think there's a good part of the you know of any field that probably says, yeah, that's that's easier. I can understand that. Now let's go build something else. Let's see what we can do with this. What are we mm-hmm. actually doing? Um, but there's probably a group that would say and say, you know, these are my lungs and I'm going to hold my EMC mm-hmm. array until it dies and <laughs> and data protection. I love and all those different types of things. So, I, I mean, it probably depends on groups of people where maybe organizations start to push and say, this is better for the business. Who can we pull in and hire that yep. has that mentality? The, the, it's almost a 50-50 split in my experience. So, like, server guys and storage guys usually have jumped all over Vert because it actually makes their yeah. job easier mm-hmm. and it allows them to scale. And, and there's a highly translatable skill set between the two of them. And I'm also going to be very... I'm going I'm to say something controversial yeah. now. It gives them a bigger empire. Totally. It gives them more control yes. yeah. over more uh, of their infrastructure. And this me. is where Heck I'm going yeah. from. This is where I've been trying to get to with the software-defined networking and the software-defined storage. It's like... Dude, they're know, fiefdoms. No, you know, they're total fiefdoms, right? Yeah. yeah if, mm-hmm. if you're the if you're the VM or administrator, and you know maybe it's the team now. You had the server guy and the storage guy. Now you're the VM or team. A, you've built some redundancy, and hey, I can go on vacation, yay! But you're right. No one's telling me how much you know server I can use. You're not telling me if I can or can't do this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The counterpoint, the big pushback I've seen, and I was one of them, is from the security teams and the networking teams. Yeah. You're gonna do what with my firewall? You're gonna you're gonna put that in software. You're gonna do your virtual what, or you're going to allow? Well, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Well, in the last two weeks, a policy is going to drive a firewall change. A policy is going to drive a switch change. You know, to your point, the serial you know the serial connectors loved them, and my, my data center Doug was the guy that if you even approached his switch with your laptop, he would beat you within an inch <laughs> of your life because those were his switches. Damn it! Yeah, so that was his RS two three two exactly. Yeah, no, and, and this is the thing. I'm I'm a big big proponent of. Well, proponent, but a big understander of the you know human nature, and I think actually people want control, and and the server guys totally. sort of were the ones that used to sort of go, please may I have some storage, please may I have a new network <laughs> set up, mm-hmm. please may I be able to, please may I get out to the outside world, and then the the security guys, the network guys, no. go, why fill this form <laughs> yes. out, jump through my hoops, you know? Oh yeah, we love you in the department, no. yeah. I'm, I'm I'm a denial deny all allow explicit kind of guy, you know. I was gonna say the firewall. I, I I'm I gave me heart palpitations when I would see the long list of firewall rules, and people would be like, "No, this is mine. I'm gonna I know every rule, and no policy is gonna drive that. Mm-hmm. It's gonna be mm-hmm. yeah manual." So you know, all joking aside, and you know, and if you are one of those folks out there, again, we've all been there and done that, and like I said, I was that guy. I think the reality is is the education of it, right? Is yeah. that a lot of the same rules and stuff apply. And five years ago, y'all, I was right through with you. There's no way in hell I'm going to virtualize a firewall. And I'm still not going to tell you to put a virtual firewall at your boundary, right? You know, Unless it's like a purely cloud-based, et cetera. We'll talk about that later. <laughs> but if you're thinking about, you know, internal segmentation, you know, SSL visibility, yep. and some of these new things with like software-defined networking, at least try it out. Because a lot of the same control you're used to is still there. And it's way more stable than it used to be. And it's still your thing. You can still fire the same controls at it. It's just mm-hmm. your control plane's in a different spot, basically, is yeah. how I look at it. So from a holistic standpoint, 
fundamentally, what is a firewall? It's just a software program running on a dedicated piece of hardware, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Albeit that hardware provides probably greater throughput than a VM. Mm-hmm. It's, it's literally no different. Correct. I mean, the way that the way it fundamentally works is not some little like set of lock and keys yeah, inside it's an, of a it's server. It's an OS on a, hard, on a piece of hardware. Mm-hmm. Right? So why should it change if it's if it's a virtual box? Yeah, to David's point, fiefdoms, domains, this is mine. This it's is, physical, you know, yeah. the blinking light scenario, I can see where it is. And oh, yeah. I don't know. Yep. All part and parcel of the next generation data center, eh? <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> yeah. So we, you've led me right into it with a softball question. So me being the, you know, the global cybersecurity practice leader, I'm, I'm going to ask the question is what <clears throat> conversations are being had around security in next generation data center? Are your customers asking those questions or is security being designed into those? Because we've talked about, you know, as at a high level theoretical, but when customers mm-hmm. like yours are deploying next-gen data centers, or is it more of a, and I'm not trying to be, you know, flippant, uh, it's four times, with a rip and replace of, you know, hey, we just converted from standard x86 vert and storage to this cool new composable thing, but I've really not changed the fundamentals. I, mm-hmm. you know, bigger, I've, I switched from my Honda to a Ferrari. Yeah. Cool, that's awesome. But as you're doing some of these new workloads and new things, is security being thought about and designed into it? You know, like disk encryption, encryption in motion, how are we protecting these workloads um, if we're moving from on-prem to the cloud? Are those discussions being had? I mean, a little bit. I think some of the older technologies, when we talk about just VMs and whatnot, some of that technology actually started to come in when we talk about encryption. But when we get into new worlds of containers, composable infrastructure, then it kind of almost starts over again. It's mm-hmm. not like the, we need to figure out yeah. this new infrastructure. Now, not, now how do we put the security in with that? How do we even get networking to containers in a regular way? Right. That everybody. So uh, I think there's a lot of opportunity, I guess yep. I would say there, for us and our partners to understand those and, and how do they build that in. And, w- and it's a good opportunity that when you're changing your, your platform, bake that security in and what does that mean? Yeah, so. it's, yeah it's so much easier to do it before the yes. scenario than to try and bolt it on afterwards. Yes, that's a hint. <laughs> <laughs> and on that bombshell, we have actually run way over time again. Oh, man. The- well, great. That, that's the best thing to happen. So for Aero Bandwidth North America, I'm David Potter signing off. Thank you, David Fern, for joining us. Thank you very much. And thank again. you, Travis Lawrence, for joining us Thanks as well. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Awesome. Anytime. Appreciate it, guys. Thank Thanks. you very much. Thank you. Goodbye. Thanks so much for listening. To contact us on Twitter, use hashtag AeroBandwidth, and we'll see you next week.